Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intentional Wellbeing Podcast. I am your host, Diane Bundy. Welcome, 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 welcome. I wanted to talk about a little bit about well-being and activism or co-conspiratorship, as I like to call it. As I um, am walking through the yoga world, I'm noticing a lot of things that are changing and that are becoming exhausting. I've been talking a lot to other activists in the yoga space and people are beginning to become tired that there's so much going on in the yoga space. I just recently saw one of my um, favorite yoga teachers who teaches an accessible vinyasa. Uh, You know, I think traditionally trained as an Ashtanga teacher, part of the yoga for all movement and training uh, and the yoga for everyone. And now she is Shauna Small on Shauna, S-H-A-N-N-A. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, Shauna Small on Instagram. And she put up, uh, I think it's a story. It might be in her feed, might be out of her feed by the time you, uh, if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, But she was talking about how discouraged she felt and how we are backsliding in our uh, attempts to become more uh, equitable and dare I say the word inclusive. I'm kind of moving away from the word inclusive because inclusive to me still, still seems to feel like you have to be asked to be included or somebody gets to choose who's included. I mostly like to think about the word inclusive in the way of white folks need to include themselves in the conversation around diversity, that that diversity doesn't happen outside of whiteness. But I digress. I'm up here to talk about our well-being in terms of activism and um, moving through the yoga space and the wellness space as a connected and accessible space for all of us. Um, my friend Darish, uh, who is also on Instagram, we had a really nice conversation today. And we talked about being in, in relationship with others that help elevate our spirit and keep us, if you will, decolonizing and moisturizing. I said I was going to hashtag that. I said I was going to meme that out and tag him in it. He said, no, 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 I'm being silly. I'm like, no, actually, moisturizing and decolonizing our way to be good co-conspirators is something that we need. That instead of being an ally or an advocate, which in my opinion is more of a hands-off kind of way of being part of activism, if I'm an ally or an advocate, I might share your stuff on social media, you know, I might give you some money for your cause, you know, I might be here to be a sounding board for anything that's going on, or if you have ideas, I might ask my wealthy friends or my well-connected friends to help you out with some fundraising. I look at that as advocacy and allyship. I think now I'm looking for a co-conspirator. What's a co-conspirator? Getting messy, getting down into it and helping out. Not only speaking out, but taking action. And right now taking action looks like, you know, perhaps writing a blog, finding your local uh, government representative and holding them accountable for what they say and for their actions. Like actually holding their feet to the fire 
actually questioning them, actually writing, um, you know, letters or, you know, calling, documenting the issues that are happening in the world that you would like to see changed because that's the platform they got into office on and now they're not doing what they said they should be doing, actually representing the people. Co-conspirators are marching alongside of me in our various protests. Co-conspirators are not spending money on businesses that don't engage in activism or don't um, include everyone in their businesses. I'm looking for someone to get down in the mud and do the hard work of changing the world. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone to volunteer their time, their energy, their presence. I appreciate the support of advocacy and allyship, but those of us on the front lines, particularly black women, uh, queer women, trans women that are speaking up and doing the hard work and organizing and being the loud voices in the world and often being condemned for being a loud black woman or a pushy black woman or an angry black woman being you know, condemned for that type of behavior. Uh, we are tired and we need a little bit of rest and help. And if you are in the yoga space, are you seeing all the things that are going on in the yoga space that we need to speak out about? The links to QAnon, um, continuing to go back to this idea that the asana practice is the only part of yoga that we should be focusing any attention on. Have you been seeing that? How we're not standing up for each other, how we're not speaking out for each other, how we're not creating spaces that include all of us in a way that when I step into any yoga space, that whether the class in and of itself is accessible, that there is at, at least accessible uh, classes on the schedule. And another thing that we also need to consider and be truthful about when we're creating accessible and adaptable yoga classes is that not every class can be that for everybody. When you're standing in front of a class of 10, 20, 30, 40 people, there's no true way to make this class accessible for every single person in the room all at the same time but we can make it less inaccessible. And in some ways we have to create specialty classes for folks who have very specific needs that your drop-in mainstream yoga class can't necessarily address in a 60 or 75 minute class. That we need to have what accessibility looks like to me or yoga for all looks like to me is when I look at the schedule of classes, that there is a lot of different kinds of classes for folks to get to, and that the hot power yoga isn't um, always in the most sought after time slots, that you have an introduction to yoga, you have a progressive yoga, you have yoga for larger bodies or fat bodies or plus size body, or however you want to identify in that space, that within that schedule, there's spaces for queer people to feel comfortable in, for large people to feel comfortable in, for people practicing with disabilities, that that's not necessarily gonna happen in every single class that you teach, but we can be aware of the language we use. We can be aware of the cues that we give and giving people autonomy in their own practice, allowing them what they need to do in the space. And that our yoga practice does not need to look like this choreographed dance that we're all breathing on the same cue and we're all moving on the same cue and we're all doing things that look pretty much identical, that the room can be a hodgepodge of 
lots of different types of bodies and movements moving in the yoga space. And that can be a class that can be your vinyasa class. But knowing as teachers, it's going to be virtually impossible to make every single class you teach accessible to every single situation. However, we can make our language way more inviting and inclusive. We can make our poses and slow down our practice so it's accessible to more people. We can create specialized practices for people who are going to need more attention than one can give in an hour long yoga space at a gym or a club or a studio. We can have conversations online. We can teach specialty classes online in prime time slots so that people have access. We can take yoga to the park and the community center and um, anywhere else we can have public spaces that are accessible to folks that they don't need to necessarily um, be a member to join, that they can drop in or they can come to yoga at the park now that the weather is getting nicer. If you live in a climate where it's always warm, that's another thing that we can do. What are some of the ways that we expand out what asana class looks like? How many times can we um, figure out ways to have people get into their bodies in a joyful way and to know that joyful, mindful, intentional movement looks different from day to day, from body to body, from person to person. Let's be honest about what we're offering. I'm super tired of seeing, uh, you know, pictures saying adaptable, accessible yoga and the person's doing a handstand or even sitting cross-legged. It would be lovely to see somebody sitting in a chair or, you know, kneeling or standing next to a wall or a tree or whatever it is. So that when people look at these pictures, they're like, okay, you know what? I can do tree standing next to a tree with my hand on the tree. And again, taking away the onus that every single class in every single situation ha has to be accessible to every single person in that class. We have to have stuff for everybody to be able to do, but know that it's not going to be this uniform thing that's going to happen. And when we show up for our advocacy, our allyship, and my favorite one, co-conspiratorship, in order not to become burnt out in this whole activism versus yoga situation is that we have to choose the causes that are near and dear to our heart and commit. There are too many things going on in the world for us to be able to speak to everything. And as a person who loves to do activism work, who loves to show up in these spaces, we, oh, somebody's calling me. I'll have to get back to them. We can't always be all things to all people, right? I really speak to um, creating inclusion and really speak to creating more so equity than inclusion. As, as you know, I'm trying to move away from that word, but it keeps turning up in my lexicon. But, you know, figuring out what are the causes that I can be the most helpful in, that I can show up fully and understand, that I'm educated around, that I have a connection to, and showing up fully and directing the majority of my attention to the place where I can be most effective. And that when people slide into my DMs and say to me, as an activist, you should be speaking on A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, G. I am one person and I cannot be the forefront of every single cause in every situation, in every country, in every way. I can only speak to the things that I have 
the bandwidth and the energy to do. And for other causes that I do not have the bandwidth and energy to do, I can support somebody else who's doing that work. When you are very passionate about a cause that is going on in your community and you slide into my DMs and demand that I speak on this, even though I'm not educated to speak on this, even though that I don't have enough information on it, even though I don't know how I feel about the entire thing and you're demanding me to be on one side or the other and I don't know exactly where I stand, I can support you and you can go out into the world with your knowledge and your platform and be that person instead of hiding behind the folks who are always up front and demanding the folks who are always up front to speak out about it. Yes, I have a large platform, which not a lot of people engage with, to be quite honest. Yes, I have a large platform. Yes, I have the ability to reach a lot of people. However, I don't always have the bandwidth, understanding, time, or space to take on every single injustice in the world. And they are doubling, if not tripling, by the minute. And quite frankly, what we see is going on in the United States is terrifying to the rest of the world because these are all the things that are going on in our own individual uh, countries that are amplified within the large scape of America, within the large population of America, everything is amplified. And so we can only do what we can do. I can support you in your cause that you are involved in. I can donate money. I can share my platform. I can share your work. Okay. I can be a source of comfort to you, but I can't always be at the front of everything going on in the world. The other thing that I don't have a bandwidth for is I, I'm really enlightened and encouraged by somebody's work. They may have stepped in at one time, made an apology, said the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, and have made amends. I can't cancel them altogether. The people that I cancel are the people who double down and refuse to learn and refuse to show up and refuse to apologize for bad behavior and to learn from it. Those folks, I don't have time for. If those folks are not jiving and vibing with me, I can't jive and vibe with them. And if people make a mistake or if people have uh, that you disagree with, but overall their work is uplifting the world, we can talk about that on the podcast. We can talk about what you deem problematic, or I can ask them about what you deem problematic if it's a one-time slip up. But if it's somebody who is continually being damaging to any particular um, population voice or identity or society or community, of course, I want to hear about that. Of course I want to do, but I have to take the benefit of the doubt. I can't tell you how many people slide into my DMs and say, oh, are you going to be interviewing this person on your podcast? I heard that this person did this, that, and the other. I had a personal whatever with this person's friends, boyfriend, something, 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 something. And it turns out to be an individual personal thing that you've had with this person. And now you're angry at me because I love this person's book or I love this person's work, or I see that they're actually doing something great in the community, but you don't like them for this one individual thing that you perceive as a problem. Unless you're going to share with me how that impacts the greater good or how I shouldn't interview this person or how this person is damaging to the community at large outside of, you know, a, an incident where they were misinformed or misunderstood or an incident where they 
took responsibility, spoke up and said, you know what, this is what I meant. This is what happened. I apologize. This is how I'm making amends. This is how I'm showing up. I can talk to them about that. You said this. What did you mean by that? Maybe you can expand on what you meant by this. This is how I feel about what happened. This is what I heard about what happened. And how does that impact the work that you do right now? As opposed to like, you know what, this person said this thing this one time and bam. I, you know, I shudder to think the things that I have said before the internet, before I was better informed, before I had a broader scope of the world. When I think back on the things that I've said and done in the 90s and the 2000s, I am devastated, sorry, and a little queasy when I think back on it. I am far from perfect in my movement through this planet. I am far from perfect in understanding the language that I've been taught for the last, um, I'm 52 for the last, when do you start talking? I can't remember my kids started talking. Maybe at a year, uh, the last 51 years, the language and the ways that I've been brainwashed and the learning and unlearning that I'm still doing and the times I stepped in it and the times I said the wrong thing or the times I shared something and then found out that this person um, has been very damaging to a particular community. We're all learning and growing, right? And we have to give people, well, we don't have to give people, it would be nice if we give people the benefit of the doubt. If we understood that we're all learning, that we're all in this fight together, that we're all trying to show up for each other. And if we want to be good allies, good advocates, good co-conspirators, we have to give people some grace, allow people to make mistakes because I learn from the mistakes that I made and I become so much more conscious from those mistakes that I make. We can guide people, we can teach people if we choose to be an ally, an advocate or a co-conspirator. And I've said before, ally advocate, you're, you know, behind in the background, supporting in the background. A co-conspirator is right down in the muck with you, right in the ring if you follow any of the work of Brene Brown. And yes, I know that she's had some problematic moments, but I do think, or some problematic theories, I do think some of her work is is good to use as a reference for your own growth in your allyship and advocacy. The one that I'm thinking about is a quote that I believe she took from, is it Theodore Roosevelt? Don't quote me on this, that if you are not in the ring with me fighting that good fight, I'm not here for your criticism as you sit from the stands. And I'm completely paraphrasing that. I think those kinds of things are helpful. And I know that I am cherry picking some of the things that work for me, but sometimes that's what I need to do. I cannot be all things to all people. And if you're working in activism, you cannot be all things to all people. You cannot take on the weight of the world without burning yourself out, getting discouraged and divesting from it altogether. It plays on your well-being. It plays on your health. It doesn't make you effective. It makes you tired, burnt out, and bitter. So self-care has to be a big part of your activism work. You have to step back and take a break. And that's when allies, advocates, and very much co-conspirators can step up and take the next shift for you. So it has to be a shift work where we can step back and take a break, where we, we, where we can be dedicated to the causes 
that intertwine. The causes that intertwine for me is anything that is is creating equity for all of us. Anything that's going to allow all of us to have the things that we need to survive in the world. And I don't know every situation. So I have to stick with the ones that I know because I've only have so much time to dedicate to this cause without burning myself out completely. So if you are following me on social media, you may notice that my social media is very diverse. I talk about makeup that I like, trips that I take with my husband, things that I do with my children, because I have a human life outside of my advocacy work and of my activism work. But what's strange to me is on my Instagram, the only things that get the likes is when I'm in the battle and the struggle. That's the only thing that seems to elicit a response from folks is when I'm educating you or when I'm, you know, in a fight and I'm trying to share awareness about something. But me as a human being living my everyday life doesn't always get the same amount of attention, which is fine. But keep that in mind, which is why we need to be able to step out of the world and take um, a walk or a trip or a bike ride or a nap or, you know, eating a favorite food or things that are directly connected to our well-being. That is far more important. And remember that you cannot be all things to all people the same way that you cannot be in a room of 50 people and teach everything that everybody needs within that class. You can do a general overview. You can create autonomy for students. You can open the door for people to have their own experience. And that's the best that you can do. And if you're beating yourself up for not being able to do it all, that is not going to help your own personal well-being. And in the end, that's going to be your downfall. So I know this was a bit of a rant and a bit of all over the place. But at the end of the day, I'm asking you to look out for your well-being, to remember that you cannot do it all, to reach out and ask for help when you need it. And part of your activism has to be, what is it that I stand for? What is it that I want to do? What is it that I most align with? And where is it that I can make the most amount of impact? And can I focus on that? Because if you keep focusing on everything that comes at you, you become distracted, tired, annoyed, resentful. And remember, you can take a break from activism. You, it does not have to be 24-7. You can take a break if you need to take a break because this work is so crushing and it's hard and sometimes it's disappointing and sometimes it's infuriating and sometimes it's magical and amazing. It is all those things, but you have to give yourself some time and some energy and some space in order to take it all in. And it's okay to do other things in the meantime. Okay, so that is my well-being rant for today. I want to thank you all for listening in to me. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know if there's folks that you would like me to interview for the podcast. Please like, subscribe, share. Please follow me on Instagram. I always feel like I'm begging and it makes me feel some kind of way. But I think if we're sharing an experience of being in the world together, we want to connect. So please share. Uh, you can listen to my podcast anywhere that you uh, get your podcasts. And make sure if you have the time or make the time, it takes a couple seconds and it would really help me out. If you could go to Apple Podcasts and rate this podcast, it would be fantastic. Okay, everybody, until next time, please take care of yourself.